So if you look behind me, you can see all the books of the Bible that we have covered so far since last September. And we are moving our way through the biblical story, and it's been extremely rich to be in book by book. And this morning we are in the book of James. And when we think about who wrote James, there's actually four people in the New Testament named James. But the one they're most sure is the one who wrote this letter is the one who was the brother of Jesus and also a leader in the early church. Isn't that interesting to think about what it was like to grow up as Jesus' brother in his house? Let's listen to what James has to say in chapter 1, verses 19 to 27, and I'm going to pray as we prepare to be in God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we want to hear you as powerfully as James did and even more so for our day and our time on this day, this morning. So by your spirit, may these words come alive, be alive in us, and producing your fruit in the world. In Christ's name, amen. James 1, beginning of verse 19, listen to God's word to you. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, They are like those who look at themselves in a mirror, for they look at themselves, and on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious, and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, Their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. We're told in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus was teaching a crowd of people maybe a crowd like this, and somebody cried out in the middle of his teaching, was so overwhelmed with his teaching and impressed that this woman cried out and said, blessed is the woman who gave you birth and who nursed you. And you know how Jesus responded to that? He said, no, blessed is the one who hears the word of God and obeys it. And in Matthew, another story where Jesus is teaching, He's inside a house. He's told that his mother and his brothers are outside asking for him. And so he looks at the people in front of him and he said, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he points to them and he says, here's my mother, here's my brothers. Whoever hears the word of God, does the will of my Father in heaven, that's my mother, that's my brothers. Now think about that story, because I'm pretty sure James 
was outside at that moment, right? The brother of Jesus. And so he must have heard about that whole conversation. And he must have been thinking, what did he say? He said that those guys were his brothers? Wait a minute. And what James heard, I'm sure, because it got saved and put into scripture, was the point that Jesus was making, that hearing and doing, the hearing of God's word, the doing of God's word, go together. You cannot separate them, and there's many times that you hear Jesus making that point, teaching and then saying, blessed are you if you do them. People will know you by your fruits, hearing God's word and then doing God's word. So this must have been a challenge because James is making the same point here, realizing that it is a problem for the people he's writing to, and he's a leader in the church. Hearing and doing, hearing God's word, doing God's word, go together. And you can tell from what I just read that they, are have, a, they have a problem with this, and he uses the word deceived two times, which means they don't know they're having a problem with this hearing and doing. So I want us to look at both sides of that, the hearing and the doing, and what James has to say about that. Well, he's quick, first of all, to talk about the importance of the hearing. Be quick to listen, he writes. Slow to speak. Slow to be angry. And you can tell that their listening isn't producing God's righteousness. And so he says this statement, and it's an invitation, and in some ways it's a command, because it's an imperative. Let the word of God be implanted in you. The word of God that has the power to save your souls. Actually, he says it like this. Welcome with meekness the implanted word of God, which has the power to save your souls. What's it mean to be a good hearer of God's word? We hear this illustration and the metaphor of it being planted in us. I want to remember with you a parable that Jesus told, the parable of the sower. It's also been called the parable of the four soils. What is Jesus talking about in this parable? The planting of God's word, how it actually is successfully planted or is not successfully planted. How many of you have heard this parable before? You know the four soils, so let's remember them together. Jesus is talking about a farmer. A farmer is throwing out seed, sowing seed. It's landing all over the place. That seed is the word of God. And some of that seed lands on a path. And it's a hardened path. And so the seed does not sink down roots at all. Pretty soon, a bird comes and picks up that seed and carries it away. And Jesus says that path, that soil, is like someone who hears the word of God but doesn't understand it, and so Satan comes and just plucks it away. So that's the hardened soil. Some seed, he said, falls on rocky ground. And so there's some soil, but it's really shallow soil. The seed puts down roots, but as soon as the sun comes up and blazes on that seed, because it is, doesn't have much depth, it withers away and it dies. But Jesus says that soil it's like people who hear the word of God, they're excited about it. They receive the word of God with joy. But because they have no depth, 
Whenever trouble comes or persecution comes because of that seed, because of the word of God, they fall away and the seed dies. Some seed falls on soil where there are thorns. And it takes root and grows up, but the thorns grow up too, right? And the, the weeds, and they choke the seed. Jesus says that soil is like those who hear the word of God and it takes root and they grow and then the weeds and the thorns grow too and it's like the cares of the world, the lure of wealth, they choke out that seed, that word of God. This is the one I can relate to the most. Just being surrounded by all the distractions, all the competing things, even when I am in the word, I'm thinking about something else. There's so many things on my mind, so many things to compete with the word, and it gets choked out. Fourth soil, some seed falls on good soil. It's good soil because the seed puts down roots and it grows into a full plant and it produces, it produces 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Those four soils illustrating the implanted word of God in us. But only one out of four actually turns a hearer into a doer. And I want us to notice as well that of all four of them, three of those soils take no work at all, right? They're just what happens naturally. A hardened path, rocky soil, thorns in our lives, but good soil, that takes work, right? Having good soil. I have a friend, uh, she and her husband have a garden in their backyard, and she was telling me this past week that she did a lot of work in planting their garden, and she was pretty proud of that because it does take a lot of work. And because of this sermon, I said, well, tell me what you had to do to create good soil for these plants. So she did. She went through all of it. She had to have aerated soil. I know nothing about these things. I am not a gardener. So I'm just taking her word for it. So I hope you all who are gardeners agree. But aerated soil, that's an ingredient that was really important. She said fertilizer. You've got to have nutrients in that soil. You also need to choose where you're planting because there needs to be good sunlight on that garden. And you need to have good seeds. You can't use last year's seeds. You need to follow the instructions. She laughed at that one, because I think her husband doesn't usually follow the instructions. You need to follow the instructions. You need to prune it a little bit. And what am I leaving out? Water. You need to water it, and you need to water it regularly, and you need to water it so that it gets enough water, but not too much water. It takes intentionality to have good soil. It doesn't just happen. So as James is giving us this invitation and command, welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. We have to be intentional to be that kind of hearer, to have that implanted word in us. So we've been in scripture all year long because we know how important it is in terms of hearing the word of God. But what are the ingredients, my friends? that will help that implanted, be implanted, that word of God? What will help us hear God speaking to us to be hearers of the word? I can think of a few ingredients that are absolutely essential. If you look around the sanctuary, you are looking at one of them. 
which is the community. To be in hearing God's word with other people. It's the way all these books were intended to be read. They were written to a community. They were read to a community. They were understood in community. And it's still today to understand the word, to really hear it, to have it go deep in us. We need the gift of one another, the gift of teachers, the gift of hearing what it sounds like in somebody else's life. That is an absolute essential for the good soil to have us really hear God's word. What else is needed? To have good soil, to welcome with meekness the implanted word. There needs to be regularity, right? There needs to be, you said watering, but we need to be in this word enough that it actually nurtures that seed and lets the roots go down deep and also produces fruit. It is wonderful that you are here. It's wonderful you're on the live stream and you're listening to God's word in worship. It has to be more than that, right? It also has to be in your life, regularly in your life. And I think James knew, as Jesus knew, that this is not easy. It's kind of easy to deceive ourselves, that we are welcoming that implanted word when actually we are probably three out of those four soils a lot of the time. Boom. <laughs> we don't really understand, and we don't have that soil that will help us understand. We don't have the depth. We have a wonderful experience of hearing God's word, perhaps even at a camp or at a Sunday morning sermon, and then that was what? 10 years ago, 20, 30 years ago. Or the thorns, the things that compete and make it so hard to spend any time in God's word with other people. Welcome with meekness the implanted word that is able, it has the power to save your souls, James writes. And I like the way Eugene Peterson puts it. He says this, in simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. Isn't that lovely? So that's the hearing. And then there was the doing. But also you can tell in this passage is problematic and that they are deceiving themselves. So what's happening here and what indication do we have that they're deceiving themselves? He says, you are like people who go and look in the mirror and he's really describing they are in Scripture, you almost get the sense they're in worship. They have a sense of who they are as God's people, God's chosen, God's blessed ones. And yet they go away from that mirror and they forget that that blessing and called and chosen to be a blessed people in the world also means being a blessing to other people. So you get to the end and he's, he can tell that they think of themselves as religious, right? You know, you... you I think you're religious, but pure religion is this, that you care for the orphans and the widows. In that day, the people who were the least cared for, the least noticed, the most vulnerable were orphans and widows. James starts out this passage calling them beloved, my beloved. Nobody was calling orphans my beloved. Nobody was calling the widows my beloved. Nobody was caring for their needs or advocates for them. So no matter how bad we might think our lives are, there's always people that are worse off, that are needing the blessings that we have. And how easy it is and how tempting it is 
to receive the blessings that God gives, the belovedness, all the things that we just say, thank you, God, that I have this, but that it stops there, which is not what God's word is about. That fruitful garden takes those blessings and moves them out to others. During the pandemic, I got to know one of my neighbors uh, who walks her dog a lot. She's extremely friendly and uh, strikes up a conversation easily. So I like to walk a lot. So I was out there and we'd bump into each other and start talking. Eventually, she found out I was a pastor. So she was eager to tell me, and she's actually been eager to tell me this every time she sees me now, that she, write, or she likes to watch Joel Osteen on television, and that really feeds her spirit and encourages her and uplifts her in her faith. And she is really counting her blessings. And she just went on, and she said, I, I've worked hard, I've made enough money, she's now in retirement, I... Uh, waited long enough with Social Security. I maxed out my Social Security, so I just have so much, and I'm healthy, and I can do what I want, and I thank God every day for my blessings, which I think is great, and could affirm with her just that spirit of gratitude in her. And then as she's done that litany with me probably three or four times since I've seen her and known about, or she knew about me being a pastor, I've noticed, and maybe it's because I'm on the brink of retirement myself, and I have a lot of people really feeding to me, I think what, what is the common understanding of what retirement is supposed to be? You've worked hard, it's time for you to relax, to enjoy life, do all the things you love to do, uh, you deserve it, and really to have those blessings kind of go and just stop right there. And it's a temptation. Now, I don't know if she's doing service kinds of things. Those aren't the things she's sharing with me or if those blessings are going out to others. I don't know that part of her life. But I just want to say to you in this church that I am seeing models for the holding together, the hearing of God's word, and the doing. On Friday afternoon in our small group, we said, who comes to mind? We asked, who comes to mind when you think of people who are holding together the hearing of God's word and the doing. And it was so delightful to hear the names flow out. Names of people here right now. Mike and Sherry Garut, Scott McMullen, just on and on it went. Um, Kathy and Rod Lair. People who are taking the blessings that God has given to them, whatever it is, time, resources, health, expertise, and it's not just staying there because that's not what the word of God does in our lives. It moves us out to people who are hungry for God's blessing, to know their belovedness, who do not have their needs met. I think it's easy for us to think, well, great, Mary, people who are retired have time for that. <laughs> they have resources for that. They have the freedom to do those kinds of things. That's not my life. And for many, life is so burdensome right now. They are the ones that need the care. They are the ones that need people to come and bless them. And what does this word have to say to all of us on the spectrum? Well, I want to tell you about Irene Pack Lee. She is a pastor in San Jose, associate pastor. And she has two little kids, 
uh, one and three or four. She posts on Facebook often. And she's posted pictures of her kids, videos of her kids. They are darling. And about six months ago, she wrote this Facebook post that was very poignant. She said, this year has been so difficult. I can barely even tell you how hard it's been on me, our family. They both got COVID. She had to figure out how to be a pastor, do youth ministry with the pandemic, with two little kids at home. She said, I came to the breaking point many, many times. And what blessed me was my family. She said, I know it's been very hard and harder for many of you. You have not been able to be with your family. You've not been able to see your family or see your grandkids. And so I have posted pictures of my kids and videos of my kids and the blessing they are to me, hoping that it will bless you. And I looked at that and I thought, you know, it has. I have been blessed looking at the pictures and the videos of her kids. She didn't have anything. She didn't have any time. She had no resources, nothing left to give. But she was blessed, and the word of God in her made of her a salvation garden where she wanted to share that blessing. That's what the word of God does in us. I think this challenge, being hearers of God's word and doers of God's word, will always be a challenge for us. I think that's why it came up for Jesus so often. It's why it has come up a couple times in the book of James. That we, even this morning, perhaps can see, oh my gosh, I really thought that I was having the, the word implanted in me and being that good soil. Maybe I have not been. Maybe I have been deceived. And that maybe I have just let the blessings just stop with me and I've just said, thank you God for my blessings and that's been good enough. And it really hasn't gone out. Friends, I think we are always self-deceiving on one end of that in some way or another. Kirsten, how great it was, you and Danny, your honesty and your commitment. <laughs> Never wavering, okay, maybe sometimes wavering. <laughs> and here we are in our journey, but we need the mirror of being with one another and being in God's word in Jesus Christ and realizing, wait, this is what good soil is. This is what God wants for us, that word of God planted in us so that it's growing up and it's bearing fruit and it's blessing and it's moving us out to those who have less than we have that do not know their belovedness, do not have enough in the world. And the statement, the invitation, welcome with meekness, the implanted word has this next phrase, which has the power to save Jesus Christ has the power to bring us back, to lead us to that place of meekness and receiving and once again reaching out to be that good soil. Letting the body of Christ help you with this. If you feel stuck, it's like, I've tried. I've tried this to be in scripture. I've tried a small group. I hated it. I've tried this. If you're stuck, Phil and Holly, raise your hands. Talk to them, spiritual formation leaders. They would love to talk with you about how to work with your context, which is what Jesus does, meets us where we are, and gives us a new day, every day new, every day fresh, every day leading us to that place where we can let our gardener, God, landscape 
us with the word, making us a salvation garden for others. Let's pray. Oh Lord, open our eyes as we sang earlier to see how perhaps we have deceived ourselves. Maybe relying on old experiences with you and your word. Maybe your word is being choked out by all the other competing concerns in our lives. Maybe we are not intentionally and meekly creating the kind of soil that will allow you to be planted in us and bear much fruit. Deliver us from discouragement and hear us even now to hear your invitation and your promise and your power to save. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.